Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode 138 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, the best order champion, right? Congratulations, yep. man. Yeah, so in this show, we're going to do a Brewhammer recap. I finished tied for first overall, lost out on tiebreakers, but ended up taking best order. Mm-hmm. Finished fourth on battle points, so pretty pretty pleased with that showing. And for a couple of very interested parties, I played Sylvaneth, and more specifically, I played a Belthanos list. Yes. So <laughs> I know this is something that we've talked about a lot on the show, Belthanos as a war scroll and how excited that Dan and I both were. And mm. I think the last time we talked about Balthanos was, you know, is, is he overrated? I've, I've got five games to tell you that, no. He's, <laughs> if he's, you use him right. We had that if, discussion, too. If you, if you too. use him correctly, <laughs> yes. no, he is okay. not overrated. Okay, cool. And then we're going to talk about the 2024 event calendar. Dan had a conversation with our good friend Tyler Emerson, and they were talking about how full impact it was and so we're going to just have a discussion around some of the events that we already know that are out there and talk about scheduling around that and and things like that and then we've got a bit of a potpourri section sigmar 4 2024 2025 handbook and dan you want to talk about the age of sigmar quote combat patrol combat patrol yeah who knows what it's going to be or if it's going to be anything but it's it's exciting to think about because it's the way now that i enjoy playing 40k. It's just compact. It's easy. You know, build it, paint it, put it on the table, and that's really cool. So yeah, it's going to be busy. Actually, there. To your point, you know, talking about the event calendar. Actually, when we were talking, you know, Tyler and I, it's like, oh my god, it's like 15 events <laughs> that that I know of right now. And so I, I didn't realize how much w- there was out there. Uh, and I just thought it'd be something interesting to talk to the listeners about. So with that, let us move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay, man. You know what time it is. Hobby time. So (laughs) I've been doing some work on my uh, iron jaws but had to pause because i got into brew hammer at the mm-hmm. 11th hour yes the event was the event started saturday i got in tuesday lists were due wednesday <laughs> so <laughs> i uh so i put that down went hmm, what to play what to play what to play and i thought well maybe you know i i play my nashville teams list you know get some practice in and i said nah that's stupid why would i do that so i was talking to our friend mike He's like, well, Brendan, you were real excited about Belfinos. Like, why, like, why don't you run that? And I was like, mm-hmm. sitting there, you know, because like the model is sitting, you know, right, right here at my paint station. I finished the rider, and the bug was just killing me. I didn't know, like, I just couldn't figure out how to paint the bug. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I agree. I was like, well, you know, pressure is going to be, you know, the the source of inspiration here. So. I, I resolved that I was going to play a Belthanos list of some variety and started painting him and, you know, got him done. It was Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. Sure. And I was kicking around lists with Tyler and Nick Raverty and 
we're just going back and forth on you know what a what a good Sylvaneth list looks like mm-hmm. with Belthanos, and I, I really wanted to potentially run that Oakenbrow list that we had talked about on the show when we were making Belthanos lists. Yeah, but the more the more I talked with you know Nick specifically, he was you know we were kind of leaning in the direction of what was very similar to what I brought to Vault Wars, mm-hmm. but with with some changes, and so I ended up having to paint and get ready Belthanos, do his base. And then also paint up 10 spite revs and do their base. Mm-hmm. I I had five that I had done a while ago, but they were so old and <laughs> I don't want to say a different scheme, but they, you know, they didn't quite match the rest of the army. They weren't so. color coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went back and touched them up. So it was effectively painting, you know, 10 models and 10 bases. Okay, and, sure. So that, that's what we did, and then the event ended, and I've been working on my Iron Jaws again. I've got a really cool model. I'm excited to show people. It's not it's not quite done yet, but it is an Orc Mega Boss that I don't know that anybody's seen an Orc Mega Boss quite like this. Okay, I'm looking and, forward uh, to it. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to to share that when it's done because it's going to be a major element of this display board for Adepticon and. Monday night, Trunzo shared with us, you know, kind of his progress. And oh yeah, I don't, I genuinely don't know how he does it. Like every, every mm. year, you know, he, he comes up with something completely new and every year it's complete. And like, it's not just new, it's completely different mm. and it goes in a different direction, right? You know, the first year we went big with the castle last year, it was that I'm still amazed at how technical that, that tree landscape was mm-hmm. this, this year he's combining it, you know, it's going to be long, and it's combining natural elements and inorganic elements, and mm. like, <laughs> I, I don't know how he does it. Oh but man, I'm I'm really excited for what this is going to look like at Adepticon. The team's been making some great progress. Great. What about you, Dan? Well, you, I know you sent me a couple pictures this weekend. Yeah, and I, I have to thank Doug in you know the the Emperor Protects podcast that that he does because it motivates me to listen to a book, you know, to have to spend the time on audiobooks and stuff. And so I'm listening to Betrayer right now, and I'm looking at these models. So, you know, the Harbinger I had sitting there, and then I had this Whip Thurster that I I've looked at. For, I've just stared at this thing for like six months or whatever it is, and I got the Harbinger done like just all of a sudden he was finished and i was like yeah what like he's done oh and you're on chapter six. Oh, okay oh, okay <laughs> and so i finished him and got him on the shelf and i'm really happy with him because i think that'll be the paint scheme for the rest of the nurgle stuff you know in my corn army and that contingent of my corn army and then i looked at the the whip thirst and i was looking at pictures of other people you know pictures that i'd taken at tournaments of people who've done bloodthirsters and stuff and it's like what can i do with it because it's an off-market kind of model you know it's from etsy well, and so yeah. but it's got a lot of really nice texture like on the wings and other places so it's like what am i going to do with the wings and i think they came out okay one of the kind of inspirations was you know we were camping i was looking at the fire you know we had campfires almost every day a couple of them and i'm looking at the fire going okay so this should be kind of a model for the colors i'm seeing in this campfire should be a model for corn because there's reds there's oranges and then i'm looking at the wood that had burned and it was black with like gray ash all over it well that would be pretty neat so i actually took the bones in the wings 
and I did like a black and I dry brushed a gray over it so it kind of looks like that. And so that's where the color scheme came from for that part of it. And then the wings, I tried to do a couple different things, but I think they came out okay. They, they certainly look Cornish in terms of the red and the black and everything else. So I'm trying a red metallic on the armor on the model instead of just a plain red. And I'm gonna see how that works with the bronze that I'll have to do for all the details of the armor and all the corn, you know, icons and all that kind of stuff. So really good progress on him too. I've got both the wings done and a lot of the armor done on the, the main body. So I would expect by next show, he'll probably be finished and that would be really all cool. Because right. then I, you know, we just talked before the show, I'll have 500 points of my corn army done, even though it's only two models, as you said, <laughs> but it's fine. You know, then I can start working on other stuff. So that's, yeah, that's my progress. And it's been pretty good, actually. Pretty consistent working on stuff. So kind of got me back into the swing of, of doing some painting. Because it was kind of, I don't know, kind of stalled out there for a while. Plus, we weren't home for a long time. So yeah, <laughs> that didn't help. So that's hobby. Pre-orders coming up. We got Flesh Eater Quartz. Most of the good stuff is dropping. And it's going to be... I think it's, I think it's everything else that isn't yeah. available. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so Usheron and the Cardinal and the Judge and the... You buy the Knights individually. The Bats, yeah, there and all that kind of stuff. So, and it is a two-week pre-order. That's just something to, to think about. And then I did pre-order my Dawnbringers book because hopefully next episode we'll be, we'll be able to cover that. And yeah. So, a, there's some there's some cool stuff in that book. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's the death book, right? Regiments of renown. It's a death book, so we'll. I know you're going to have fun talking about it, but yeah. So that's all done and all pre-ordered, and then drops. Really, there's nothing, nothing that really fell this past weekend that wasn't already pre-ordered or whatever else. So it's it's kind of quiet on that um, front. The 40k had a balanced data sheet that dropped, I think in mid to late January. A lot of people have been talking about that. As always, there's some major changes to their meta that come out of these things. Yeah, so we're, we're waiting for the Sigmar one. Yeah, I was Not just going to ask. Otherwise, that would have been part of this show did, too. Did I miss something? <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah, we haven't had our winter battle scroll yet, so that, that needs to happen. Well, winter, winter's almost over, yeah. so I... <laughs> Personally, I think if you're going to delay it this long, like just make this the last one before fourth. Like sure. don't that makes sense. Yep. Don't don't try and shoehorn in another one for yeah. you know, for no reason. Like because you've already missed your self-imposed deadline by so much, so you might as well mm -hmm. just yeah. I mean, it's only if, if you're going to miss it, just miss it. Like, yeah, it's like six weeks until March 21st, which is the official first day of spring. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, just just get it done. Games played, other stuff that you've done. Not had the chance to play very much. You know, played a little bit of the more Super Mario Wonder on the on the Switch, but mm -hmm. it's mostly been you know trying to that last minute scramble for for Brewhammer, and then I've been playing mm. a fair bit of Magic on TTS with our with our Pants Mafia buddies. Sure, I think I think since the last show I got a game in with Vince where I was playing with my Nashville teams list, which is going to be. Ravagers, Archeon, Demon Prince, Fedra, Soul Scryer, Fedra's Boys, and then four units of twenty snake snake guys. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It's um That's different. Yeah. yeah. Well what's really funny is we were we were considering Night Haunts because we had oh. we had heard a rumor that, that Night Haunt were gonna get some stuff in the battle scroll. And the list that I was gonna end up taking if it was Night Haunt was gonna be Nagash. 
Kurdos, a Cairn Wraith, and then and then like eighty Chain Wraths. Yeah. And so I just took the same list basically, but but Chaos. Oh God, that is funny. Yeah. Cool. So, That's yeah. Cool. One of the things I'm real excited about with Nashville teams is there is a award for the team that finishes the highest with with as many players as possible playing out of the same battle tome. Mm. So all of us are playing out of the Slaves of Darkness book. You know, that's that's the award that we're targeting. Okay. You know, so that's it's a it's a different award. It's a different way to have a have approached the the team stuff. So that was that was real exciting for me you know, to to be a part of. But we're looking looking forward to that. But uh, what about you, Dan? Other games played? I know it's probably not going to be much. No, I did some. I've talked about Star Realms before. It's kind of a card game, but you can play it, you know, online or whatever. And so I've enjoyed that because it's just a quick pick up five minutes and you're done and play another game or whatever. But I I actually got some really cool RPG news. And okay. before I retired the last few years, I was running both a, a board game club and a D&D club. It's only like, you know, six or seven kids, whatever it was, eight kids in each one. But we had a really neat D&D group that when, you know, we had the neat thing it was consistency. And even during the summer, we could get together and like continue our campaigns that we had set up. And so anyway, like two or three weeks ago, the athletic director there over at my old school, who's just, man, she's just a whirling dervish. She's always into stuff, you know, wants to, different activities and stuff. So she calls me up and says, hey, would you want to run an RPG club over at school again? I'm like, wow, okay. So I ended up, you know, my condition was I want to meet the the people that want to do this, see you know how much they're into it, if they're really excited about it. And so five students show up, and we're going to have our first in the wilderness session today, later in the afternoon. All so right. it's really fun, you know. And I had a bunch of stuff that I had used that I didn't get rid of. I, I had to get a few new things, but so it's just taking that out, dusting it off, and figuring out how to get everything set up because everyone who's DM knows that. There's preparation that's involved. I mean, if you want it to be good for the players. And, and I've got three new players that never played before. So that's kind of exciting. And I'm, I want to do some things to help them along. I'm um, trying to minimize the paperwork and that kind of thing to, to sure. make it good for them. So that'll be exciting uh, to hit the road today with that group. And um, it's going to probably be a weekly thing or bi-weekly at some point. You know? And we've, we don't have much of the school year left, really. We've only got like three or four months. Yeah, we'll see. But it, very exciting. And... I'm looking forward to it. So Sigmar Games, we got Brewhammer to talk about, which is cool. Yep. And then events, the only thing we're really going to mention is that in just a few days from recording, you're going to be headed off to Nashville Teams. You just talked about it. Yep, I uh, hit the hit the road in a couple of days and spend Nashville for the Super Bowl weekend. So that'll mm-hmm. that'll be fun. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and other events, we're going to talk about all that stuff during emperor lies so we're gonna move that over to that part of the show and with that a relatively short whispers and we will move on to emperor lies what are we a team no 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos we're we're a time bomb okay listeners we're gonna have a recap with our champion brendan here and he's gonna talk to us about his brew hammer experience yeah, so for those that don't know, Brewhammer is a tournament in Columbus, Ohio. It is held fittingly at a brewery. It was kind of a cool space because it's like the it's like the back room of the brewery. So you know you have all the fermentation tanks and 
they've got barrels that are that are aging stuff back there like it's it's a cool spot so it is a it's a very soft score heavy event a full 50 percent of your points come from battle and the remainder 50 are paint and sportsmanship oh wow and and those kinds of things so that's great so i i wanted to make sure that i brought something of mine that was painted to a, a pretty good standard and the sylvaneth definitely met that criteria and then it also helped that it was an opportunity to run Belthanos because I just haven't had the chance to. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about my list first. So I brought a Heartwood list. So that is the sub-faction that makes Kurnoth's battle line and then gives me plus one to hit against three units that I pick at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. I took the season, the dwindling, that lets me re-roll cast on binder to spells, you know, one of each per turn. You know, Dan, you were quite surprised. I was consulting you for Sylvaneth opinions. Yeah, it was, um, was kind of nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, any experience is better than none experience. Yeah, so that's true. I ended up going with the the dwindling, kind of splitting the difference between what I had originally maybe thought about, which was Everdust, the sixes explode, mm. versus kind of what you had suggested, the twelve inch range, which is what I had used at Vault Wars and really enjoyed. But I felt with what my speed was going to be that mm-hmm. the twelve inches was maybe not gonna not gonna matter sure i took a war singer and i gave them the i gave i took a war song and gave them war singer so that's the plus three inches to the movement characteristic for sylvaneth units that start wholly within 12 inches of the general so you can move your general around to launch this set of units over here move the war song over launch this other set of units over here i gave the war song hoarfrost I then took a Branch Witch with the Vesperal Gem and took Virtuous Harmony. Mm-hmm. So that's the spell that lets me bring back either a full Kurnoth, a full Bug, or D3 of the little guys. I then took a unit of five Tree Revs, because obviously <laughs> yeah. a, unit of, a unit of ten Dryads, a unit of six Kurnoths with Swords, a unit of six Spite Rider Lancers, a unit of ten just spite revenants and i i'm anxious to hear how that went because that was so cool when i saw that in your list it's like i've got like 15 of them I mean, maybe i should use them that's so cool They're, they might have been the mvp for that's for amazing the weekend. that's amazing uh, yeah so for those of you that don't know spites are 80 points for five they're two wounds apiece five up save bravery six or something like that movement five they're one inch range three attacks apiece threes by threes no run damage one but sixes to hit are mortal wounds and the sequence ends. Mm-hmm. So for 160 points, you've got this little tiny mini hammer, and because there's so few points and they're so low on the risk profile when you compare to Lancers or Kurnoths or Belthanos or even the mm-hmm. War Song in combat, that oftentimes they went ignored until it was maybe a little too late for for, for some players. Okay. Then I also took Spite Swarm Hive, had that all wrapped up into a battle regiment to be a one-drop, 2,000 points on the nose. Mm-hmm. So the, the plan with the list is, with Belthanos, you have the ability to deliver multiple threats simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Lancers themselves really only need the, the run and charge to get just about wherever they want to go. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. The Kurnos the will then have the option between the Spite Swarm Hive which, very important to note, does not stack with run. It's plus three to normal moves and mm-hmm. plus three to charges, not plus three to runs. 
you can give them that. Oftentimes what I was hoping to do was get the Warsong in range to make them movement eight and then run them and potentially have them use a CP to get them to be, you know, six on that, right? Movement 14 Kurnoths is pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Right, that's that's the base speed of your Lancers. You know, that's, that's all right. And then typically the Spite Storm Hive would would be where the spite revenants would hang out. They'd jump out, make a six inch charge, and then jump back just because they're so gosh darn fragile like when in the in the scheme of things. Brendan, I have a question. Did you take an arch rev? Did you did you mention nope. that? Interesting. Nope, 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 nope. It's so interesting. Okay, good. All right. Cool. Yeah, cool. the because it was really important to try and pack it down into into a one drop. Mm. You know, when in that list building process. Just because if you can if you can set up for a double turn, then you know you can you can really put some armies in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Or if it's an army without screens, you can you can go get a get a meaty chunk of the army and then and then pop back. Having that choice is it's pretty important. There's not a lot of defensive buffs to to really be too concerned about. It's all all offense all the time. Okay. And with Belthanos's command ability to allow a unit to retreat and charge you know if if they pinned you in early it it really didn't make too much of a difference okay cool so yeah so that's uh that was my list so game one i played joe betts with his carriage on overlords he was playing barrack mornar so that's the command negating one hmm. commands issued within range of uh, within 12 inches of any of the units on a five up it's negated okay he was playing an etheric navigator, an admiral Gotrek. He had a gun hauler, <laughs> two units of five thunders, two units of three engine riggers, an ironclad, and put all of that into a battle regiments at 1950. Oh, we were playing in power flux, right? This is the one where the objectives turn on in, you know, in like they're either on vertically or on horizontally. Yes. Yep. And you get extra points for holding them with Antorian locuses. Mm-hmm. And my army has two of those, and his army has none, so I knew there were a couple of free points on the board for me. Obviously, he could get extra points for killing my, my wizards, mm-hmm. but over the course of the game, I as long as I, I did it correctly, I was going to have more points available to me than, than he was going to have available to him for scoring. Okay. We rolled off. I won the roll, so I picked to deploy first, uh, mm-hmm. and... I set up in a very kind of castle situation and gave him the first turn. And I set the objective so that they were horizontal, meaning that he was going to have to move move forward and put his army in threat range of effectively my whole army at that point mm-hmm. in time. So he basically moved towards the objective on my right with Gotrek and a unit of the engine riggers. I had my spites out there and my dryads out there so they could just move up and out just tag it and outscore him. The spites, you know, was something that Gotrek probably didn't want to see. But he flies high with the ironclad and blows off the table my my lancers. Mm. But that's mm-hmm. uh Hey man, that's that's what boats do. Yeah. So but all of his guys were out of the boat over there. So I sent Belthanos over there with the Kurnoths and <laughs> Ouch uh, they they pulled off a, a lot of models. Yeah, uh, I won the priority into two. Belthanos and the Kurnoths killed the Ironclad. Uh, ah. Killed all but his two heroes that were over there. Oh, game over. 
and I yeah pretty much from there it was it was largely cleanup duty and keep Gotrek away from my my war song because by killing the the ironclad all I had left to do was kill the the gun hauler and that was going to deny his grand strategy mm. which you know, Belthanos literally exists so you know uh, that was doable. So yeah, so I ended up taking the that game versus Joe, and it was it was pretty it pretty much came down to me claiming that double one and two to yeah. to pull off his major threat pieces because at that point all he's got left is two heroes, Gotrek, and his gun hauler and a unit of engine riggers, and yeah, I I have my whole army minus my lancers, and I I feel pretty all right about it. Sure. Yeah. So that was uh that was game one. Okay. You know, we had our lunch break, and one of the cool things about about this was they the venue didn't serve food, but they had food trucks that were you know just kind of always around. Okay. So there was this real good. I I don't know if it was if it was Mexican food or, but it was a it was definitely a South American style cuisine food truck. Okay. It took a little while to get the food, but it was. So fresh, Dan. I mean, oh, cool. It it was so good. I basically got it was um it was effectively like a carne asada sandwich kind of thing, with fresh avocado and fresh, and just like fresh salsa and just Ugh. it was, it was so good. And as anyone knows, part of the, some of the best parts of tournaments are are the food. Yes. <laughs> In game two, I play Seth Harvey. And his Beasts of Chaos. Seth is based out of Pittsburgh area. And him and I were playing Lines of Communication. So him and I both quickly identify that the phase we're both going to try and disrupt is the charge phase for the most part. Really <laughs> mostly for him. Because obviously everybody's going to come onto the board and yeah. and go from there. The He has the Gave Spawn sub-faction, which Ugh. gives him access to the Morgarite uh, spawn yes he has protect the herdstone so obviously he's gonna toss it in a corner and try and keep it safe mm-hmm. a doom bull with bestial cunning so picking one unit that comes in seven inches away mm-hmm. the slitherack helm which hands out a fights last on a two up the a great bray shaman with blizzard and the trumpet to get him 10 more gores ouch a great shaman with hoarfrost six bull gores a unit of three of the Morgrite chaos spawn 10 Bestagores, 10 Ungores, 6 Beasts of Chaos, Sangor Enlightened, Chaos Gargant, and a Gorgon with a Warlord Battalion at 1930. Mm. So, you know, I out deploy him. I give him the first turn. You know, he does a little bit to me. And then, you know, flip because he's got on the board, like, three models total. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, I hate the gaze spawn. Yeah, he, he had two of his spawn on the table and then one of the shamans was on the table <laughs> and you know so i i went out and killed one of the spawn you know took some objectives he wins the priority roll so he makes me take top of two i kill the spawn but i don't manage to kill the the great bray shaman which ends up being kind of a funny silly fight as the game goes on <laughs> with the shaman and like my tree revs and things like that as they're <laughs> running back and forth and trying to trying to kill each other and that's not doing fun. it very well. That's fun. But then he he drops down into bottom of two. He drops the Doom Bull and the Bulgores behind me, and my Kurnoths are in cover. I didn't manage to get Mystic Shield off on them. 
but he comes in and he just just kills him. Oh yeah. And then into into three, I would have been in real trouble if I didn't win this priority roll. You know, the Beast of Chaos mm-hmm. double turn is 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 brutal. Yes. But I win the priority into three. I pull off most of the Bulgors. I kill the Doombull, which is his general. I nice. kill the Ungors that came onto the battlefield. You know, and I just I just do I just do a bunch of damage. But Belthanos is kinda is kinda hanging out there and he charges into me and Belthanos hangs on by a thread in <laughs> bottom of three. Like he <laughs> he he whiffs on the two wound rolls against him and Belthanos is sitting there with twelve of his fourteen wounds taken. You know, he's got two left. Ugh. You know, managed to manage to pull off a couple of the other models and, and at that point that that battle round that end of three and me winning priority into four lets me pull things off to the point where I'm going to be able to secure my grand strat. I can't deny him his, but I can do the, I can hold two, I can hold more and I can keep him just off of things long enough because the Lancers basically spent all game charging in, striking first, striking and fading, jumping back, you know, Mm. 17 inches back to where I had teleported my war song over to next turn. You know, they move out, they charge in, they strike and fade, and and they just, they just repeat, and that was that was great, right? That's one of the reasons why you take them is so that you have access to basically two consecutive combat actions. Mm. And that's strikes first, and then picking yours is is huge, especially when your second choice is either going to be something like Spites or Belthanos or Six Kurnoths, like. Mm. And in this game, the the Spites were mostly relegated to the role of just kind of like cleaning up loose things, you know, mm. sent them into, you know, go mess up the Ungors, you know, go deal with that third chaos spawn, you know, charge into the remainder of the Bulgors and just Like how did you damage. kill the Bulgors and the and the the big bull guy? How did you kill them then? Oh if the uh, if the swords were gone. Yeah, so I got them down to one model with, with between Belthanos and the Lancers. Okay. Um, All right. You know, the, they, they had two hand weapons, so they're, I think, a five-up save base. Belthanos mm-hmm. um, roared them, and that was, <laughs> oh. right, you know, your, your Ren 2 on the guys on top. And, sure. you know, certainly with Beasts of Chaos, I don't have many targets for me to pick as my quarry for, mm-hmm. for Heartwood. You know, because you have to pick model, they have to pick units that are on the table. So, yeah. unfortunately, the units I really wanted to fight with plus one to hit weren't, weren't going to be available to me. So my command point sure. spend in this game was very different from all of my other ones um okay but picked up a a win there it was really close we had a couple of real good back and forth moments okay had a had a lot of fun with that game nice and then so the last game of day one was against my atc kansas city open teammate john anderson Mm -hmm. he was playing fangs of sotek and we're playing a nexus collapse so this is a this is a mission that probably favors me in a vacuum. Mm. This is a matchup that absolutely does not. And the last time I played Fangs of Sotek was at Worlds, and I got my butt beaten six ways to Sunday. So I decided I needed to play the game very differently. And so what I tried to do, and I was I was unsuccessful in doing so, was 
early try to send my my bugs up. I got the spike swarm hive out. I managed to roll my two up successfully. Send my bugs out and try and jump his screen into his caster castle. Because mm. if I can pull the slon, that's his grand strategy down the toilet, and that's basically for the most part going to be between six to eight summoning points that he's not going to have access to mm. okay. every every turn. All right. Starborn points or whatever whatever they're called. And so John's John's list was a little non-traditional, but I won't say by by much. So John was playing right Fangs of Sotek. He was playing the Slan with the Celestial Resonance and the Space Folder Stave. So whenever so the Slan generates two Celestial points instead of one every time it it makes the trigger. The Space Folder Stave lets him summon something down seven inches away instead of nine. Okay. Once per turn, so every turn. Astroth Bearer, Croak, Skink Starseer, Unit of Saurus Guard to bodyguard all of the heroes. Two units of 20 warriors, because they're just big, big balls of meat. Gravetide, Maelstrom, Horrorgast, Acolytes oh, for the, the heroes, the rest into a battle regiment. So, yeah, it's, um, it's straightforward in that, you know, it's it's very similar to a lot of things do. He just has less... Uh, skinks in that list than than most of them would so i out deploy him and i see an opportunity to try and jump the line and i just i just don't roll high enough um uh. the i'm not quite able to do it with the pile in jumping over either mm. there's just not there's just not enough space with because like the bugs have a six inch pile in, so they they can jump a a pretty big screen but there was just like one bug i couldn't quite fit uh. where i where i needed it to go which you know was a was a bummer i sent up balthanos with them because it was a run and charge situation as we talked about it after the game i probably shouldn't have done that should have maybe tried to stick the kernoffs in with them but i i don't quite know this game plays out pretty Pretty much as you would expect, right? He's just going to keep blasting mortal wounds at me. Hmm. You know, he He's not able to get rid of the bugs right away, which is fine, but it, it takes a little bit of doing. And an opening, and like we keep it close all game. I think it was like 13-13 going into 4 or something mm-hmm. like that. In 4, I see an opening to try and get his slon. And if I don't do that, I lose like that's like that's it right because mm-hmm. if I if I can't deny him a strategy that's you know that's three points that's automatic he's not going to get my war song without something real crazy happening so that's you know that's a three-point advantage to me potentially and I send my kernoffs in they make the charge and they just don't do enough wounds because okay. the slot lives and then John gets him away safely and summons up to protect him meaning I'm not going to get a second crack at it so I end up losing that game by five victory points. Oh man! And so, so when you think about, you know, what what that means in the context of the game, if I had managed to pull off that hail mary of of getting the slon, again far far from guaranteed, but far from impossible. That's three points off of it, and then and then from there it's a games of you know what ifs and buts where. You know, two points is the battle tactic that I failed. You know, late. You know, trying to mm. trying trying to do some other stuff. Okay. You know, it's 
it was it was within reach to bring it to a tie, uh, potentially a minor victory, potentially a minor loss, potentially a one point win, potentially a one point loss. Like it's sure you know, it, it it's a, it becomes a lot of things at that point. But sure. so two and one after day one, and I go to head home, and in the parking lot is an Italian food food truck. Oh, <laughs> and I. You know, I, I got a chicken parmesan sandwich and some garlic bread, and all of that was like less than twenty bucks. Wow. And I get home and I open up the sandwich container, and it's got like three or four chicken cutlets, fried chicken cutlets wow. on it as the sandwich. And I, I cut it in half and I show it to Katie and I go, I go, I'm not going to be able to eat this whole thing. Like this, like, like just like to have not even bitten into it and to say like I I can't eat this whole meal sure. is, you know. <laughs> there's I don't come across a lot of meals where I say that on you know on on site. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a really good deal. It was a really good sandwich. I would absolutely consider swinging out to the brewery for either of those, you know, for either of those food trucks, you know, just And it was a close lunch. it's a relatively close drive for you, isn't it? Yeah, it was like 10 minutes. Oh god. Tops okay. total. Nothing. 10 minutes to get to a tournament, man. That's just Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that, that's closer good. than that's closer than Bruce City Brawl yeah. was. Yeah. Like that's you know, that like that's crazy. Yeah. For real. That's so, wonderful, man. So that's day one. You know, I'm I'm reasonably well positioned, right? You know, one loss doesn't keep you from winning this tournament, surely, mm-hmm. just yeah. because of the way the soft scores work. And by the way, I believe that you received a prognostication. I, in the I form did, of a yeah. text. I think one of your friends had predicted that you were gonna go four and one. Uh, after day one, and and my response was, Dan, we just got to win the next one first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, young man. So that's day one. So we're back for day two of uh, Brewhammer. Day two of Brewhammer. I'm playing. My my opponent has been close. He has playing the Techless Castle that won Worlds. So it's the same list. <laughs> Different player. Obviously, he's not he's not the Frenchman who won. So we're playing Spring the Trap. So we're playing within that box. Mm. This is a mission I feel pretty good about, just with the speed that the Belthanos list includes. So this is a mission where, with the speed of what Belthanos does, I can I can go from point to point. He doesn't have a ton of units, so he can't he can't get to all of them the same way that I can. You know, if he just moves his castle up, I can pick him off at the edges and keep him in the center. Like he does damage through mortal wounds, um, but as I found through the course of the game, it's maybe not as many mortal wounds as I remember it doing. Okay. So. All right. But it's got a lot of it's got a lot of debuffs, which is the the whole purpose of this list is it is it scores tactics reliably, and it can really deny tactics from opponents, which which is useful. So it's a Lumineth Realm Wards Zytrick list, so it's another plus one cast on Bind Dispel. Teclas hands out a plus one himself. Mm. Uh, so basically his whole army is plus two to cast. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> he's got Teclas, he's got the Light of Eltherian, he's got a Sonari Cathalar, who's the Shaman of the Chilled Lands, so knows all of the spells from the, the, the Cold Spells. Mm. The Phoenix Stone for being able to resurrect heroes. His grand strategy is to keep that Cathalar alive, so having an artifact that on a, you know, I think it was a three up would get him back is pretty good. Yep. Calgrave with Merciless Blizzards, 10 Wardens, a unit of five Blade Lords, a unit of five Dawn Riders. Those are the battle line. And then tunes of five Dawn Riders that are not battle line. 
Pendulum, Maelstrom, Spell Portal, Battle Regiment with Acolytes for three drops, 2,000 points on the nose. All right. And and in this game, I I outdeploy him. You know, the magic of that true one drop coming into play again. Mm-hmm. And I have him go first. He puts what is effectively like the Bellacor spell onto my bugs. And so basically every time I go to choose to activate them for a movement or a charge or a fight, he rolls bravery. And in, in doing so, if he exceeds my bravery, then they can't make that action. Okay. They're bravery seven, so that's not great. Yep. And I jump out. I tag... I tag some objectives, and my bugs can move. My bugs can charge. They go to fight one of his units of Dawn Riders, <laughs> and they can't fight. <laughs> oh yeah. god! So, Ouch. so not great. Ouch. But we roll for priority into two. I I win the roll, and I stand there and I'm looking and I go, "What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" Mm. And I realize in in that moment that. I can go get Teclas. Mm. Balthanos can go over, and he can go get Teclas. Like, mm. there's a spot for me to land, for me to go get him. So I take the turn. My Kurnos charge into the other part of his castle, meaning that he doesn't really have a good way of escaping the castle. So if he's not going to do a ton of damage to me, that's totally fine. It just means that you know, we're, we're going to be stuck there, I'm going to hold these objectives, and you're just going to be kind of pinned into where you are. Mm-hmm. So the bugs can't fight again. You know, they got their bravery beaten. Cool. And they couldn't move because I was trying to set up a situation where my spites could, I could move, I could retreat out my lancers, charge in my spites, and, you know, and, and really kind of close the door on that, on that tar pit. But they couldn't move, then they couldn't fight. The Kurnos went in, they did a bunch of damage to the horses and just kind of held that gap. Belthanos goes in and does a total of two damage to Tekla. <laughs> like... Oh, great. Like, okay. <laughs> so much you know, for that plan. <laughs> oh, like, God. This isn't especially durable. Yeah. And, you know, Balthanos, as we've talked about, isn't the most punchy, but oh. um, I was definitely expecting to get a little more than, than two damage out of that particular exchange. Yeah. But oh. at the very least, it means that Teclis is in combat, and he ha- and he has to do something about that. There's no, sure. there's no options. In doing so... It means that he's not going to be casting four spells at ten. He's going to be two casting two spells at twelve, which means that there's two fewer spells that I'm going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. In bottom of two is where is where this kind of starts falling apart for him a little bit. So he gets he gets Teclas out. He chooses Lead into the Maelstrom as his as his battle tactic, and the only two units that are going to be able to charge that are heroes and battle line is the unit of Blade Lords and the Light of Eltharion. And they charge into my Kurnoths, and the Light of Eltharion just murders the Kurnoths. Mm-hmm. So I lose my hammer, but it costs him two points, and he only holds one objective. So, mm-hmm. it's a, so I've got two full five-point turns, and he scores a, you know, what was a four-point turn and then a one-point turn. Oh, boy. So, you know, feeling... Feeling pretty good there. He then double turns me into three and selects the battle the intimidate and the invaders. You know, get get your guys out of out of the box. You know, we're about halfway through that action where it's starting to look real close as he's maybe not gonna get all of the all the units out, and we 
you know, this is this is an item that's very important to me in terms of, of table etiquette. You know, your opponent has declared that they're going to do something, and they're actively doing something to you know not not achieve that, yeah. especially especially in the context of a battle tactic. Right, it's worth points towards the game. Yeah, and you know, so we we pause real quick and we talk about it, and he he actively acknowledges that you know he's he's probably not going to make the tactic, but it's more important for him to turn his army around and and go fight Balthanos. Okay. Okay, right. We talked about it. It's you know it's going to be what it's going to be. He fails his tactic that turn, but Teclis runs over and grabs a, another objective. So he's got one, two more, no tactic, so a three point turn. And is in this game where he's got five units in combat, and Lumineth can activate two every time they fight. Yes. And so he fights. He swings with the Light of Altharian first at Belthanos, and. You know, then he's looking around. He's like, obviously, I'm not going to fight with Teclis, right? It's, you know, I think it's like four tree revenants, you know, mm. on that objective or something like that. Okay. But he's got a unit of wardens and a unit of dawn riders fighting Belthanos, and he's got a unit of dawn riders in fighting my spites. And the mm. wardens at that moment in time aren't in shining company, so I'd get bonuses to hit. So I wouldn't be minuses to hit them. Okay. So you choose, and he's got to do like four wounds to Belthanos to kill him. Mm. So he fights with the wardens because that's his best bet at getting you know some mortal wounds to proc and you know getting that through. Ultimately, doesn't do enough damage there to kill Belthanos, but he's got a still another unit of wardens. And I go, cool. I'm gonna swing with my spites, mm-hmm. and they pull off that unit of dawn riders nice. and stand on that objective. And he looks at that and he goes, was was not expecting that. You know, I cool. Hey, you know, but. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean a ton from the perspective of one two more. You know, because he's got he's got you know the one he's going to have more as long as he kills a tree rev, mm-hmm. which he's going to do. Like Teclis isn't a great fighter. <laughs> he's yeah, but you know, come on, like come on, he's better than that. Yeah. So then, yeah. for his next two activations, you know, he picks Teclis, who kills at least one tree rev to claim that objective, and then he fights with the the Dawn Riders, and Belthanos is on. One wound left oh, God, after Brenda. all of it. And I'm like, awesome, fantastic. You know, <sighs> Belthanos swings, kills a pony or whatever, the, the, the tree rev swing. But, you know, so that's a, that's a three-point turn, right? So he, after three turns, has nine, he has eight points mm. to my ten points, and I haven't even had my third turn yet. Sure. So I get another five-point turn. I win probably in... Belthanos basically goes in to kind of sacrifice himself so that the spite revs and because I pick the tactic of the the one that is the Sylvaneth one to use the woodland depths and have completed a charge. Mm-hmm. So I make a charge and then use the woodland depths to get out of there. Sure. Because both of those things have to be true at the end of the turn. Yeah, I remember you taught me that because I didn't realize that was mm-hmm. legitimate. I thought you had to yep. go in, but you can just come out. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Two two statements need to be true. A yep. unit has to have made a charge move and has to have used the woodland depths. Yeah. It doesn't matter what sequence you used it in. Yep. Both the both of those must be true at the end. So I charged in Balthanos into his blade lords and the spites into the blade lords and his Cathalar. And you know, Balthanos was basically there to be a you know, a sacrifice so that the blade lords would swing at him so that the spites could swing at the Cathalar and the Blade Lords and mm-hmm. you know and kill him dead. So I the Blade Lords end up dying. 
the tree revs end up doing some and the warsong end up doing like a good chunk of damage to to teclas like <laughs> it's funny like, a, a fair bit more than belthanos which was which was amusing and then i win priority into four which is going to be another five point turn mm-hmm. and so from there we we talk it out because i'm i'm well out of reach of scoring you know it was a uh, him and I talked about it like this is his seventh game playing this list and he really wants to get in more reps and understand you know how how Lumineth works and how this list works in particular because obviously it it won worlds and him and I talked about it that you know that the things that cost him the game was experience with the list Um, Mm -hmm. this is not an easy list to play and you know it's a list that's built to score tactics and then dropping two tactics is is backbreaking. Yeah. So, so that was game four. Yep. You know, for lunch, I'd swing over to Jimmy John's because the the same food truck from yesterday is there, and it took it took a while to get the food the the day before, so I didn't want to didn't want to risk you know the timing to to get to right. round five. Yeah. So round five is Geomantic Pulse, and I was oh, playing yeah. a Alario list, also Heartwood, also Spellcasting Savant. Uh, the reaping, which is the twelve port, the twelve inch selection for teleports and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So took a Lariel, took a war song with spell singer, vesperal gem, tree song. So a very, very common loadout pre, pre Belfinos era. Then takes ten dryads, six Kurnoths with great swords, five tree revs. Sounds familiar. Yeah. A spite swarm hive, a unit of three spite rider lancers and in a battle regiment at 2000 points even so looking at this list i went cool i can out hit you as long as i can connect so we roll for deployment he beats me on the roll so he's going to deploy first he gives me the first turn you know kind of castles up doesn't really give me anything okay. which is fine so i take a very conservative turn one where I go out and have my dryad stand on an objective, get my battle tactic, hold the one, because obviously the pulse isn't active yet. Yep. And his turn one, he comes in with, he's able to get Spite Swarm up, teleport the Kurnos, kills the unit of dryads, fine. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really do anything. He kills a bug with shooting, fine. He wins priority. He chooses to give it to me. And he picks for the objective to start on the right, which kind of surprised me a little bit because most of his army was on the right side. He had Olariel and the three Kurnoths with bows that he had summoned on the left. Okay. And if he was going to give it to me, I would have figured that he was going to send it that direction because it was going to take quite a bit for me to get my whole army over there. Sure. Certainly not enough to kill Lariel without getting Spite Swarm off and getting the teleport and landing the charge and, you know, sending Belthanos over there too. Yeah. I was going to have to commit a lot of resources. And then what I would have done if I was him was take basically my army, set it up on the second from the left objective, crushed, you know, crushed as much of that as possible and then had a fight, fight falling back kind of, uh, kind Mm -hmm. of game. So he gives it to me. I fail to I get spites from out but I fail to give the bonus bonus charge to the Kurnoths. <sighs> so when I teleport them, you know, it's just gonna be a just gonna be a straight nine. Okay. But I move my bugs up and I charge them in to hit his dryads and hit his hit his bugs. 
And what I'm able to do is I'm able to use the six inch pile and to pile around the bugs and get into range of touching the war song. And I kill two of the three bugs and the last bug is, has three wounds left. Mm -hmm. And I've taken pretty much no damage back from this, right? The war song does some. And so bottom of two, I turn off his spite storm hive so that he can't send his kernels anywhere else. They basically have to go fight my bugs that are out there in his in his trees. Okay. Alariel comes over, picks lead into the maelstrom. The kernels and Alariel kill the bugs. So failed tactic, but this is mm-hmm. this is a battle plan where the tactic doesn't matter as much. But he retreats out the the war song and teleports it using the you know the move at the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. to drop it on the far left side of the battlefield by where the Kurnoffs with bows are. I win priority into three. So I've got a really good grasp on the far right objective, the second from the right objective, and he had struck and fade Alariel to go tag the second from the left objective. Oh, okay. Um, so that's, that's going to be kind of tough to take, but I see an opportunity to just completely close the door on this game. Okay. And not necessarily from a point at that particular moment, but from a perspective of I'm going to make this game so difficult for you that coming back from this is going to be pretty rough. So the Warsong left with like two wounds allocated to it after, you know, it had, it had healed and everything. And I went out and got the Spites from Hive buff off on the Spites. Mm-hmm. I did. I picked Surround and Destroy. So they go to the left side of the board. They're nine inches away from that war song. You know, on the right, I send my tree revs over there. My kernoths are, you know, kind of in that in that direction. They're going to clean off the dryads so I don't have to worry about it. Belfinos goes and charges into the kernoths so that they have to fight him, and they're going to have to retreat if they want to go anywhere. Right. And I tag them in such a way where only a couple are going to get to fight Belfinos, which is the perfectest way. And this to... is the kernoths with bows, right? No, no, this is the Kurnoth's oh, with swords. Okay, his swords, yeah, the, okay. Yeah, so Belthanos is on the right fighting the, the sword knots in the, in the trees. Okay. And really keeping them from going anywhere. So at that moment in time, the only threat on the board is he has one Spite Rider Lancer with two wounds allocated to it, <laughs> a injured Warsong, a full health Alariel, and his Kurnoth's, which have to fight Belthanos and aren't going to be able to do anything unless, you know... You know, they, they get out of dodge, which yeah. it's not gonna not gonna happen. The spites land and he goes, Oh cool, I've never seen what spites do before. He goes, <laughs> I've never seen anyone take him. And I go, Yeah, they're pretty good, you know, and I, I walk him through the profile. He's like he's like, Yeah, that's that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I charge him in, they you know, I roll I roll a nine, I get my plus three, so okay. I'm able to basically surround the war song. I get nine of my ten in. Okay. And I, you know, I do a couple of mortal wounds and I force 13 saves mm-hmm. and he saves nine of them on the, on the, on the four up. Oh, wow. Okay. It's not, not great. I need to do two wounds cause he failed all of like the wards for the mortal wounds. So okay. he's got four, he's got four, four up wards and I need to do two. And he fails three of them. Oh. So the war song dies, top of three. Oh my gosh. Um, Spite ribs, yes. And he's like, he's just kind of like looking at the board and he was like, ooh, that's uh, <laughs> you know, that that's not great. And I was like, yeah, 
You know, one of the surprising things for me is the number of attacks the spite revs have. That's really cool. I mean, yeah. it's just this massive dice, even with 10 models. Yeah. They're such a great unit for 160 points. And Heartwood, right against the right target, they're twos and threes. If you were to throw Drycha in there, they're twos and twos. They're mm -hmm. the they're one of the most perfect units for Horfrost as a target. You know, just because any dice roll results, you can just toss it on the Ren. Ren mm -hmm. one, two, three, doesn't matter. That's good for spites. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's a it's a 160 point unit that if they kill anything, they're trading up. You know, so they're and then your opponent goes, oh, I got to deal with them. And you go, cool, I already made my points back. You know, if you're going to go fight this hundred this 160 point unit, like, go nuts. Sure. You know, so so from there, he he doesn't have much to muster in in battle round three because his current offs are tied up with Belthanos. He's got his he's got a future objective that's being threatened. There's nothing towards the pulse that he can really go grab. Like it's just it's just what it is because after my Kurnoth fought the Dryads, they struck and fade off the objective they were on to go position them squells, oh, themselves yeah. squarely on the pulse. And Alariel's good, but she's not gonna she's not good enough to get six Kurnoths at full health with Mystic Shield. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've got CPs and he doesn't off of that, you know, off of that objective. Like and she's not used, she's not putting out a lot of mortals either when she attacks. Not a no, lot. she's not. Like she's got she's got good rend, but the the tree song generator is dead. So you're not going to be getting mm -hmm. the extra rend from that. So that's that's fine. She doesn't have any extra command points, so you know she's not going to be able to all out defense and protect herself from from whatever swing back I have. Okay. And in order to take that objective, she's got to kill four of them, which is far from guaranteed. Especially mm -hmm. when I'm sitting on a piece of terrain that I turned mystical, you know, from Belthanos. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, you know, it, it's just a bad proposition. So from there, you know, we we roll for four. I win the priority, and we we kind of talk about what's what's available and what's left. Okay. And I grab the win, which puts me at four and one. Yeah. Uh, finishing fourth on battle points. Finished tied for first overall. Lost out on some tiebreakers, but hey, you know, tied tied for first is pretty good. That's, for, that's so great, man. So yeah. happy for you. That's. So I have some questions. Sure. About, based on your experience. So the first question is: Did you miss the Arch Revenant? No, no, not at all. Okay. It was. It would have just been another small hero to manage. It would have pushed me out of being a one drop, or I would have had to have swapped some points around. Like I could have dropped like the Tree Revs down to Dryads to and replaced the Branch Witch, but the Tree Revs are just what they do is so so silly. Mm-hmm. Where you know you can just as long as they have their their little musician, you know you can set it up again anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches away. Like, cool. Okay. Every every objective is constantly under threat from that yes. unit. Yep. yep. That's absolutely worth the couple of extra points you have to pay. So um, your swords didn't suffer at all for not getting the plus one to wound. They were fine. No, I, they were twos and threes for most of the game. Like it's which worked. Still, yeah. they were fine. Okay. Then the next question is, did the season work as you wanted it to? Or would another one, like, you know, maybe have gone better for you? Like the 12-inch, would that have been better? Or did this... The 12-inch would have given me maybe a couple of other options to, to have teleported at some point in time. But I never felt like I was putting something out there that if I didn't teleport it, I wasn't in okay shape. Okay. 
the the dwindling worked well. Uh, Everdusk would have been tougher, yeah. but I would have needed to. If I did take Everdust, I would have prioritized getting more trees out on the board. Okay. And making more yeah. things upfield overgrown. And you know, it just it just didn't come up very much. Yeah. I didn't use the dwindling very much, but there were a couple of spots where I was just like, Yep. I I mean I miscast basically every game for the first three games <laughs> at some point with my war song where I was like <sighs> I will use the reroll. Yeah. Good. Okay. It sounds like you were more aggressive with the war song than we usually are. Yep. Yep. Okay. I wasn't putting the war song in imminent danger in any of our games. Because obviously it's my grand strategy. Right. Is to keep them alive. But the war song has a pretty decent fighting profile. Mm-hmm. And if you just like Balfinos, if you can put it into the right target, you can you can do some damage and and you'll be okay. But the war song has to be a little bit more aggressive because number one, the range of the spells, uh, and number two, if you're using the war singer ability, you have to be wholly within twelve inches of of those units. So it's really important early in the game, and it's a lot less important later in the game where you can kind of position the war song to just be the launch pad for for whatever unit is going to strike and fade back to it, get the plus three inches, and then you know rinse and repeat that process. It, it means, though, that you're really not getting the Warsong bomb off very often because there's just usually not a lot of units in range. Sure. That's fine, you know, because effectively during the game, my Warsong is a plus two to cast because the first thing that Belthanos does is he turns a piece of terrain that the Warsong is standing next to into Arcane. On of course, yep. yep. <laughs> so you're, you're just prioritizing different spells with it. At 300 points, it's probably a little spendy, but... There's a lot of flexibility, especially in this season, where if you go second, you can be a three-caster, and a three-caster at plus two with some re-rolls and you know, some, some primal dice for those other dice rolls. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. That's pretty good. Yep. Okay. The next one is Belthanos. Now, we, we've talked about you know being more aggressive with him, less aggressive, using him more in a support role. Do you think you got that balance, or do you think you put him out there a little too much, or not enough, or how how do you think that worked out way you were using him? I was pretty pleased with how I used him. I'm sure I wasn't, you know, on the hundred percent effectiveness scale. <laughs> but game one and game two, I went and had him do the things he needed to do. I needed to hang him out there in game two to tie up some things. Mm-hmm. And if he survived, cool, and he did, so that was great. If he didn't, then he did his job. Game three is probably the one where I maybe threw him away a little recklessly, mm-hmm. but there's there's so much about that game that's difficult to know, right? Like it's yeah. game the, four. Yeah, that was the I game. game four. I feel pretty good about him. You know, he didn't get the result I was looking for, but you know, if there's an opportunity to you know to bring Teclas down oh. down to size a little bit, then you obviously you obviously take it. You know, and sometimes the dice work and sometimes they don't. But it also meant that my opponent turned his army around mid-game, yeah. forcing a forcing a failed tactic, which you know ultimately secured the game. And then you know he he died as part of a as part of a selection gambit. Yeah, sure. You know which also also fine with. And then game five, he was perfect. He I got him into the right units at the right time. He he did the right kind of damage. He went to the right places. You know he 
he demonstrated how different of a list Belfano's Sylvaneth lists are because like it really felt very different playing with him and, and that army. You're so much faster. Your hammer delivery is so mm, much higher. Yes. Like it was, that's great. You know, like it, it, it felt different and it, it really opened my eyes to, you know, some of the other lists that I'm, you know, that I was kind of looking through with, with running Belthanos. Like mm. I really do think an Oak and Brow Belthanos list would be pretty nasty. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's, I think a Belthanos with Dryad Span list would be pretty nasty. You know, him, Lady of Vines, and just a just a bunch of Dryads just mucking the board up. Like mm-hmm. that would that would be a very frustrating game for a lot of people, I'd imagine. <laughs> he he opens up so many different things, and that's and that's really cool. But he's also you know not mandatory. Right. Yeah. It sounds like the Spite Revs were worth the money for sure. Yeah, at, at 80 points for, for them, you know, so 160 for the unit of 10, it, incredible value. I mean, they, right, they really locked in my game four. They won me game five, if for no other reason than they got the grand strategy and secured the morale boost of, you know, hey, I, I got your general. And, okay. you know, now what do you got? You know, they didn't do a ton game three. You know, game two, they, they did a fair bit of damage and, you know, game one, they posed a threat to Gotrek all game, and even if Gotrek kills them, right, that's 500-ish points versus 160. Right, and sure. Sure, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. Okay, cool. That's it, then. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, it sounds like you just had a great time, and... Yeah, it was, um, it was fine. You know, it was, it was nice getting that army out. Venue yeah. was pretty cool. You know, everything ran on time, so that was good. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. And we're going to take a short break... And then we're going to come back and talk about the year ahead, which is chock full of stuff. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Okay, Brendan, it's time to talk about stuff going on this year. Pretty busy year, man. I mean, just in the list we're looking at, it's like 14, 15 events, which is really cool. I mean, that's at least once a month. Some are double, double covered. But let's start talking about March coming up already. So there's an RTT local here, which is really great, because that'll give me a chance to run through a list for Spring Rubicon, which we're going to talk about. And I'm looking forward to getting those three games in to try a Sylvaneth list out, um, which you and I will be consulting on, by the way, uh, before, <laughs> before, the, before the event. And then, of course, we have Adepticon. And we've yep. talked about that a lot, but that's, you know, four days of gaming and you're both going to be very, very busy, I think. So yeah, a, a packed month, I think. Do you have anything else going on in March? I think that was it. It's kind of a... No, qu- that's that's it for me. I I don't really know that you can ever really look to doing anything else when you have Adepticon sitting there yeah. at the end of the month. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's... If you're going to be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. you know, certain, certainly for me, you know, looking at taking off Wednesday and the the Monday at the at the end of it, like that's mm-hmm. that's a lot. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's March, April. You have Bruce Guy up in the Detroit yep. area, right? And that sounds like that's going to be a pretty big event. Going to be a few people showing up for that. Yeah, right now they've got 50. They've got space for 72. Wow. A bunch of our friends from the Pants Mafia are going to that. That's kind of the event that is central to a lot of us. So that's going to be the event that you know a lot of us go to. 
And actually, that following week out in Pennsylvania, I'm not going to be able to go to it, is uh, an event at Fabricators Forge. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. just, I, I basically did a, a quick uh, Best Coast pairing search for uh, events near me, and then expanded that range until you know, I, I found some stuff. So. You hit stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would love to go to Bruce Guy, if nothing else, just to see everybody. But we're going to be gone. I mean, that's our first month of RV time. Yeah. Sure. So we're going to be heading out west to Badlands and who knows where else. So we're going to be gone probably for close to two weeks. So just getting ready for that because this is the first time that we will have taken the taken the machine out from the babysitter, you know, and because it's been <laughs> stored indoors the whole winter, and we got to get some maintenance done on it and get it ready to go for a long trip like that. So April's just no, <laughs> no Warhammer. It's just done. <laughs> Not much of anything else, honestly, for that. So that's April. And then Spring Rubicon in May, first weekend, yep. which is awesome. Are you going to be able to make it up for that by any chance? Are you going to try or? Not not sure. I mean, it's it's sold out right now. So I tentatively have no plans on, on making it up there. You know, it, it, it would it would be a maybe. It'd probably be an I fly out there kind of, uh, oh, sure. kind of situation. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be my, my first real full tournament of the year. And hopefully I can take some Sylvaneth fun to to finally, after all these years, go three and two. We'll see. Yeah, getting there. <laughs> I know that Belthanos will be in the list, so that, that's a start. Anyway, I, June's pretty quiet for from what I know. Is there anything I, you know? I couldn't find anything in our general areas. Yeah. I'm I'm sure there's something somewhere. There's no way that June has nothing. Yeah, of course. Somebody's somebody's fitted in because some of these months are so packed you can't put anything else in there. So June is quiet, uh, and then July. I, I'm kind of assuming that we're going to have meltdown because it went so well last year that the Domus will do that again. But we haven't heard anything yet. So nope. yeah, you know, it's kind of a pencil that one in to see if it's it's good, and then. Kind of a neat surprise. So the crew over from Basement of Death, the Plane and Slaying guys, are going to have a con that they're putting on. And it's going to be at like a gamer ranch down, I think it's about four hours west of St. Louis. It's going to be games. And knowing, knowing the crew there, it's going to be a lot of board games, a lot of that kind of thing, card games, everything else. But it's four days. So it's something I'm really looking forward to maybe trying. It's going to be a long commitment of time, though. It's probably a five- or six-day commitment because it's a long drive from here. So it's that's a good 10, 12 hours, probably. But it just sounds like a great time. And you know, it's been a long time since I've been able to hang out with the guys. And, and it's neat to go to something that's not miniatures you know it's all the other stuff i'm looking forward to to get out to that and if i do that in july i will not be able to do meltdown i just that's going to be it for me yeah too much well and plus you know i'm already burning those six or seven days so we're still planning on rving probably in june and even part of july that that would be it for for july for me then in August, we have NashCon, of course. And then we have the Gateway Open in St. Louis. Now, are you probably going to NashCon this year? I don't know. August is going to be, oh. you know, that August, September, October time frame for me is yeah. going to be... Pretty busy. <laughs> pretty busy, a little up in the air. Sure. I would like to be able to get back down there. It's It's been a number of years, but, mm-hmm. you know, as unfortunately for me, I have... Life. 
I have been very busy, specifically in August, for three years now. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Fair. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking, because, you know, I went to NashCon that year, had a great time. Uh, they run a great event. But it's another, it's like a 10, 12-hour drive again. And if I'm already yep. doing that in July, that'll probably be my, my once-a-year long trip like that. So I think I might give Gateway Open down in St. Louis, you know, formerly Siege World, a try. Because that's a reasonable distance. And August is a month that we do not, or at least we're not planning on going out. Because after our one trip where it was like 95 degrees, <laughs> that was not a pleasant experience <laughs> unless you stay in the RV the whole four or five days, right? So August is kind of a warm month, so we're probably going to uh, plan on, on not doing anything. So I think Gateway Open's a definite possibility. And yeah, be I've, kind of fun I've wanted to get out there. It's just been the same weekend as NashCon for however many yeah, years. And... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. September is pretty booked up for you. Yep. And I don't no tournaments though. No, I didn't see anything uh, that is that's on the on the docket. October could be pretty busy. We got Dragonfall, of course. We're assuming that's going to be the first weekend or so in October. And then Tyler's confirmed that Vault Wars is, I believe, the third weekend in October mm-hmm. again. So that would be really cool. But and I get back to, it's another long trip. It's, it's as long a trip as the, the basement of DEFCON would be. And I, yeah, it's another long, long drive. So it's, it's so tough to get out there because it's not a... Like there's not like a it's not like something where you can really fly. Like there's mm. just not a you know a major airport that you can fly direct into. And you know because like at least with NashCon, you know if you really wanted to, you know you can you can get a two hundred some dollar plane ticket oh, and, sure. and do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to fly into St. Louis or somewhere else and then drive. November well, we got RockCon, of course. Yes, I'm assuming that's going to be the first weekend. And then I think there's some rumblings of me going to Holy Havoc this year Ooh. Uh, with the team. I'm going to keep that kind of under wraps. I'm just going to put okay. it out there for now. But I've been having a bit of a discussion with someone to see if they would be willing to partner up. And it's going to have something to do with my mystery army. So that one's going to kind of stay, you know, on the low key here for a while. But it would be kind of cool to do it. I've never been. And all I hear is great things when people go. Yeah, I, so, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, and it's close, you know, so so that would be really, really cool. So, yeah, busy year. Lots and lots of stuff. Lots of things that people can jump on and, and try, to, try to sign up for and, and be involved in. There's U.S. Open events. You mentioned that before the show. The mm-hmm. four of them, is it four? Something like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's three... Three opens, and then there's the Grand Narrative in Atlanta, which okay. is also when okay. they'll do Worlds. Worlds, right. Okay, so that schedule's up. So I'm sure if you, you went to the community website or whatever, they, they would have a, a list of the places, what's available for people. So mm-hmm. good stuff, man. i got to get you to rock on one of these years, man. I'm just telling you. Okay. <laughs> i got to work on that. So the other thing we wanted to talk about, listeners, was just some stuff, major events. Maybe not the first couple are certainly major events in the Sigmar world. And the third one is kind of a what-if, kind of cool thing to talk about. But let's talk about the fact that we're going to get 4th edition this year. Very likely that's going to happen. And it's going to happen this summer, we assume. Is there is there like a timing thing that you know of? Is it going to be May, June, July? What do you think? 
I mean, this is it's historically dropped like end of June, start of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, new editions for both Sigmar and 40k. I imagine they're gonna they're gonna keep it to that. Okay. So, are there any thoughts on just brief thoughts on things that major changes or anything else that you anticipate? In this edition, because I know you've expressed many times your disappointment with third and that you'd like to see some changes or maybe some retro activity go on. What are your what are you thinking? I mean, I I really don't know what what they're going to do. Okay, You know, I I don't think any of us have any real insights to that. We we did get a glimpse of of second edition with the battle tomes that came out mm-hmm. at the end of first, particularly in, you know, when they started talking about summoning mechanics and mm-hmm. I remember reading the Legion of the Gastron with you and be like, why on earth would I leave aside, you know, 300 points off board when I could just bring that same 300 point unit on table. Right. And, right. you know, then we learned that summoning was free, you know, a little bit after. And we saw, we saw a similar thing second into third, particularly right around when that first soul black grave Lords book dropped, where we were like, these seem like fine mechanics, but you know they mm. like they don't quite make sense in second. Maybe they're leading into you know what like that it's going to work in third, and yeah, it worked really well in third. Okay, I don't think that we've seen a lot of mechanics here at the end of third that are like that are kind of eyebrow raising. Yeah, you know, which certainly gives some credence to the idea that like we're going to get indexes to start fourth, kind of like mm. with what happened with tenth. Sure, on forty k side, yeah, okay. yeah. But as far as mechanics go, I yeah, I, I think we have no insight into into what that looks like. So, I mean, like there are certainly things I hope for. Yeah, of course. You know, but that's that's nothing other than hope. GHB, of course, is dropping this year again because we're on a yearly cycle. At least it seems like they've gone back to that. Anything in particular you're looking for, or anything in particular that you think might come up we're still kind of in the dark on that too right yeah the all all of that's going to be completely dependent on what fourth is right like yeah. the to me those two yeah. those two things are one and the same okay you know it's like i i you know because i i can't even begin to prognosticate on what the handbook looks like because i don't even know what fourth looks like if, sure sure if fourth is going to be i don't want to say a complete rewrite like 10th is you know, you could you could see some dramatic shifts and some dramatic changes. They could also go the direction of they feel that third edition is a very good and stable game, and that mm-hmm. fourth is going to be a small iteration on it. And in which case, I would say that the handbook is probably going to be we're going to go to a different realm, you know, and and the focus is going to be on some mechanic that they've introduced in fourth to really familiarize people with it. Right? Sure. That's that makes if, sense. If they go the conservative route, I think that's what it is. If sure. if they go you know, a very aggressive mindset in making changes, then I, then all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only thing that's safe to maybe say is that we're going to change realms for yeah. three or four years in the realm of Gur. I think it's it's time it's time for us to explore a different place. Gyran, yes. <laughs> Gyran, you know, like the place, like the places I would really like for us to go in terms of realms are, you know, first edition focused a lot on Akshi and Gyran. Second edition was a lot of uh, Shayish stuff. Mm-hmm. I really don't think they've explored the realm of metal very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would yeah. be a really cool place to understand and build out. Okay, sure. And I think related to this is the third item, which is the, and I put this in quotes because it's not called Combat Patrol in Sigmar. It'd but, be funny if it was. And that would be hilarious, yeah. 
just having played it a few times, you know, it was it was just such an enjoyable thing to drop the models on the table. The rules for the army are right there with the combat patrol or whatever we're going to end up calling it. So you don't need much of anything. You know, it's all right there in a package. And it's just so easy to pick up, easy to do. And I was just thinking from a Sigmar perspective, it would be a great way to try other armies that you never would have tried. Like if there's one that comes out for the Oryx, you know, I never would have, I don't have any real interest in that, but you know what? If there's a box that comes out and there's some models, yeah, sure. I'll put them together. Yep. I'll paint them green and you know, push them around. Or if there was some, I have no real interest in KO. But if again, if they have a box, yeah. And I just think it could create a lot of interest. And I'm hoping that somehow this, you know, the in, that one box that they've introduced for Stormcast, maybe they're going to tie that in to the new edition somehow you know, kind of roll that. And maybe that's going to be their new product thing because we've already gotten all our battle scrolls updated. We've gotten all our armies out, you know, new models and stuff. Obviously, yeah. they're going to need new product because they're, you know, Games Workshop. But that would be a really cool thing to use to launch forth would be just put these combat patrols out. And you've got, what, 20-plus factions, so you've got plenty of opportunity. Just a few. Yeah, plenty of opportunity. Well, and even if they just take the existing Vanguard boxes, right, mm-hmm. and if they make it, if they make that combat patrol, yeah. you know, you, you already have the starting point there. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just need the mechanics for the smaller game that's all. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, yep. And some specific rules and things for that particular army. So, yeah, I was also thinking, and Tyler and I were talking about, you know, how fun it would be, at least for me, to run, like, a combat patrol event, like a one-day thing, and make it so that you could rotate, you know, make a requirement that you bring at least two. And then you have to play each one once, and then the third, you could choose which one you want. I mean, that would be sure. a really fun thing to have people, and there's no big expense involved because, again, it's just two boxes, you know, and it, I think yeah, it would yeah, be... Yeah, quite a bit cheaper than an army. Yes. Yeah, right. And the other thing is it would give people the opportunity. It would be, I think, an event where you'd see all kinds of things that you wouldn't normally see because there wouldn't be the... Well, we don't know what the, how the boxes are going to be balanced or anything, but it would be neat because people would be trying all kinds of stuff that they normally wouldn't try in a lot of ways. So you'd see a lot of cool stuff that you normally wouldn't see. You wouldn't see five of this army or six of that army. You might just see, you know, you almost see every single faction in one event. And that would be really fun. I think to have that in a in one place would be really cool. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, even just the Stormcast box, I looked at that and like, that looks pretty cool because the models in there. There's a chariot. Um, uh, what's yeah. her name? Yasandra. I can't remember the exact. Indrasta. Indrasta. Yeah, I love her model. It, cool. That's fine. I'll, I'll throw down the coin for that and try it out. Just just to try it out. Be cool. Doesn't matter. You know, there's not a lot of time invested or, or money or just throw it down and have fun with your friends. So yeah, I think that's about any other thoughts on any of this stuff on events or. Anything else? No, you know it, it is a it is a busy schedule. It's been mm. it's been really interesting the last couple of years, right? My just like how how many events I've attended versus like how many mm. I used to. Mm-hmm. I was you know, I was thinking about that the other day of you know back 
pre-COVID, you know, there were there were times where five weekends in a row I was at, you know, yeah. either a two-dayer or driving to Chicago for a one-dayer or, Crazy. you know, headed to Madison or, you know, just all all sorts of things. It, it really has been nice to maybe take it with a slower, more focused approach because mm. one of the things, right, we talked about earlier in the year is I really want to focus on playing just what I want to play, you know, for, mm. for no reason other than this happens to be the army I want to play and fit whatever criteria that I, I want to fit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we did it with Brewhammer. I wanted to play Balthanos, and, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to play Belthanos, I want to play it to the best ability that I can. Sure. So you know, I'm going to try and write the best Belthanos list that I can. And if that was four and one, cool. If that was five and zero, oh, great. If it was three and two, cool. Yep. You know, if there's things I could have learned that could have brought me to one of those other levels, you know, fine. Right. Like happy to happy to be in those spaces. So I'm really trying to think long and hard about what I want to bring to uh, to Bruce Guy because I mm. I realized that the the one award I haven't gotten yet is best destruction. Oh, now that I've picked shit. up my best, now that I've picked up a best order trophy, mm-hmm. so I gotta maybe. I don't know that I could get my iron jaws to two thousand points by then, and and even then, I don't know that it's enough to to go win best destruction. But just just go throw Kragnos in. That'll give you six hundred points or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that'll that, make it easy. That, that will help. I don't know that it'll make the army better. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Sure. Cool. All right. Well, that's it, listeners. And with that, as always, we're going to go and talk about books and stuff in Scriptorium. Scriptorium time. There's a couple of new releases we've got coming up this weekend is going to be Black Library Celebration. So there'll be some stuff dropping. But in terms of stuff that's out there right now, of course, Volume 3 of End of the Death. But Wolfblade has come out and it's I think the fourth I can't remember if it's the third or fourth book in the Ragnar series so it will be a great story I think it's if I recall because I've read them all but I think this is the one where he and his squad get assigned to like a bodyguard duty for a set of navigators and then there's some kind of really cool stuff going on. And you never go wrong with Ragnar. I mean, it, it's just so great if you're a 40K fan. And if, whether you're a wolf fan or not, Ragnar's just awesome. And then Zombie Slayer, of course, because there's never too much of Gotrek and Felix. So that's out as well. But that's really about it. We're going to, like I said, we'll talk about, you know, sun, Sunday quote announcements at the end of the show. <laughs> so this is Wednesday that we're recording, but that's really it for stuff to order and listen to and that kind of thing. So what have you been up to, man? So I started listening to The End of the Death Part 3, you know, because I finished the the listen to the, the Lee biography, as I talked about. Yes, yes. Went and saw Argyle yesterday at the, the Value Tuesdays at the Marcus Cinemas. What did you think? It was entertaining. It was very silly. I would I would call it an action comedy. I would say one of the major elements of this movie is that nothing ever appears as it as it is. So the so the whole movie you're just kind of like looking for, you know, like what okay. Like like what like what is this? What is going on? Okay. And it was really funny. There was a there's a group of old ladies that was at the movie we went during the middle of the day, so as we were leaving and you know, they were coming out, they go, 
I just don't understand like what what happened. And then uh, there's another woman explaining it to her, and she's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> it's funny. Sure. It's, if you're looking for like, it's even less serious than like the Kingsman, right? You know, where the, oh, sure. the Kingsman is a is a bit absurdist. Mm-hmm. This movie takes place in the same universe as the Kingsman movies. Okay, yeah, but it's even it's even less serious than that. There's oh wow! A, okay, there's there's a very high level of fiction to, okay. to some of what happens, but it's it was fun. Okay, you know, it was the two or so hours moved pretty quickly, but all right, you know, it wasn't a. I, I don't think it's going to be winning any major awards for, okay. for cinematic experiences. All right. That's, that's what I've got. You know, Dan got quite a number Ooh. of things. Oh man. I, I finished end of the death volume two and man, I just flew through this book. And it, most people know it's huge. These things are monstrous. Even when, when Cindy, I think she brought the package in, she was like, this is really heavy. What's in here? Like, <laughs> it's a book and it's 700 pages. Man, it would be like, I'd start off at the beginning of the day and it'd be like, oh my God, I'm on page 150 today you know, already. I just flew. And all of a sudden she's like, well, how, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm page 500. Like, God, how, how did I get here? It doesn't seem like I've been reading that long. It was just, it was not what I expected. I expected more. I think you commented on it, kind of a connector book between the first and the third volume. So I think I was con- expecting more of that kind of thing. But there was so much individual, there were so many individual pieces that were really, really fascinating. And it was neat how they added to the lore. Like the way they, in it, Anybody who knows the heresy, I'm not going to spoil anything, knows that, you know, Sanguinius, Horus kills Sanguinius. That's just, that's common knowledge. But just the way they built up to it and the pieces and parts around it, and then the battle itself was just so different than I would have expected from anything that I've, you know, read in the lore and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, it was so different too because this is Sanguinius. He's he beat Cabanda, who is like this. He's not just a bloodthirster. He's like a giant bloodthirster, right? He's just monstrous. Yeah. He's like fifty feet tall. He's like a warhound titan-sized demon. And I mean, he 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 really he beat Angron in demon form, right? And so you're expecting when you get to this battle with Horus, like okay, Sanguinius is gonna is gonna do some work. The battle went differently than I would have expected. If there was any, even just this remote bit, fragment of empathy for Horus and how you know he has turned his, it all just went away in this book. Yeah, he's just the most despicable, horrible, unbelievably cruel person and character in the universe. He, he's just—you can say whatever you want. You people can rationalize. Well, you know that. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited in book three to to see how right they finish up Horace's character. Yeah, because I think so much of that callousness of Horace is because of you know the the way that the chaos gods have affected his mind. Because mm-hmm. part of me really wants to go back and read the early book and you know see mm-hmm. how different he is as a character. Oh. So I I wonder if. And I'm I'm not very far into volume three, so this is just me me completely speculating. Sure, is you know in in the moments when you know the emperor slays Horus, we we all know that that happens, right? That's the one of That's the key common. elements of yep. of the Horus heresy is you know when when the chaos powers you know recede their control you know over Horus, does does he have a moment of clarity where he 
where he understands what he's done, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to do would be to read the first few books because I can tell you after rereading or listening to, you know, Horace Rising, I like, I loved Horace as a character. He was wonderful. He was an amazing leader. He just, he had all the parts and pieces and, oh man, crazy stuff. So anyway, volume three is in transit. I got a a message yesterday from the bookseller said, because it was supposed to arrive Monday. And they said it was set on the second, so it'll be there, you know, soon, which is great. That's fine. And then I finished Salvation's Reach. I finished War Master, which were the next two uh, Gaunt's books listening. And then I'm listening to Anarch, which is the very last one. And then, as I mentioned before, um, hobby-wise, I'm listening to The Betrayer. And it's full of all kinds of stuff. I think Betrayer is a book that a lot of people don't like, a heresy book for whatever reasons. But there are just so many pieces and parts in this book that are important to the rest of the heresy story. Like there's some, you know, Lorgar comes out in this book is just such an arrogant bee. You know, he's just so horrible. (laughs) He's just so arrogant. And he's like, Horace, I'm just going to tell you this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And And you're going wait a minute, I just read that in volume two. <laughs> like, wow, this is like 30 books ago. And sure. it's really cool to see this though. And there are other parts and pieces too. Like you you get this different perspective on Angron. He's having these conversations with the shipmistress of his flagship, right? And it's the one person that, that Angron won't like rip their head off if they say something wrong to him or whatever. And she just has no fear of this guy. Right? And it's just hilarious, this this banter going back. Like she asked him, I guess the defenders on this planet are called the Evercarte, and she's talking to Angron now, right? And he's on the planet, and she's in her ship, and she goes, how many Evercarte are there? And he goes, I don't know, all of them, most of them? It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's just like, in the voice that the reader does, is just perfect for him. I mean, it's like this petulant child, right? So anyway, it's an enjoyable book, I think, if you stick with it. I'm almost finished with the Pacific, and, oh, man, it is so incredibly gritty. You know, a lot of people have watched it already. I hadn't watched it yet. And, I mean, as, as horrible as in, you know, Band of Brothers' Best Stone was, and that's, this just is so much more intense and brutal what's going on because they're in the Battle of Peleliu now, which I think was the second highest number of Marines, Marine casualties in the war. I think Iwo Jima was the only other battle that had more. And um, I, I don't know if you remember, Brendan, that one character in the first few episodes, Robert Blythe. Remember Blythe, who mm-hmm. just kind of had combat, you know, his eye, you saw his eyes when he was looking. Like, all the Marines are like that. Like, all of them have that face. It's not yeah. just one or two of them. They're just, and you you walk through and you just see these burnt bodies or a, a Japanese guy's head's been blown off, right? And you're just looking at him. He's still on the machine gun and his head's blown off or just body parts missing and dead Marines and the blood and explosions. It just, it's so much more intense. And you you just wonder how these guys ever got through this, how they ever survived. Because it, it just never ended. It wasn't like they, they had this combat. Like in Band of Brothers, you know, they'll have a battle or something. Yeah. And it's kind of over. You know, they get to go back and they get to talk and kind of not relax, but at least they're not in. It, the Marines were just immersed in this for days and weeks at a time. And, oh, it, it's just so much. 
I got to watch the first three episodes of Masters of the Air. Very good. Yeah, so good would, so far? Yeah, really good. It certainly meets the, the Band of Brothers and Pacific Standard. And the guy who was going to play Fade Rautha in uh, Dune 2 is actually one of the main characters in this. Aust- I think his name is Austin Butler. But he, yeah, I recognized his facial features. And I went back and looked at the Dune trailer. It's like, oh, yeah, it's him. That's so cool. But, yeah, it's... It's really good, and yeah, you just wonder. It's it's kind of like with the Marines, Brendan. How did the, these men just kept going out on these missions? They just kept going back, and they just kept doing this again and again. Yeah. And, and you'd see they just all over the place, all around them. You'd just see aircraft exploding and falling out of the sky. And they came back after a mission. They were like, "Yep, here we go again." You can't have anything but just huge amounts of admiration and respect for these people. Finished Reacher 2, Reacher Season 2, excellent ending, all cool. We saw The Beekeeper, which was a Jason Stratham movie, and people know he's kind of an action character guy. But it was really good. It was very entertaining, and it had a really amazing plot twist in the story. In these kind of movies, you don't expect that. But the premise was that somebody he really cared about got scammed out of their life savings by one of these, you know, online scammer kind of people. And man, (laughs) that was bad that that happened (laughs) because he just unleashed it in his own special way. The one thing that I've got coming up is there's a Bob Marley biopic. It's called Bob Marley One Love coming up in a couple weeks. I think it's, of course, on Valentine's Day. But I really want to see that. And I'm sure people are like, Bears, you like Bob Marley? It's like, well, yeah. You know, I don't have to have been a smoker to love Bob Marley music. I mean, (laughs) I discovered him in high school, right? And then followed him through the early 80s when he passed away very unfortunately um, from cancer, like a really young age. But I just loved Marley music. It was so cool. And I think I actually liked him better than Hendrix when I started listening to him and so this should be a really cool movie. If, if you have an interest in Marley at all, you know, Bob Marley, Ziggy Marley, anything like that, I'll bet you this will be a really, really good movie. And then the most important news, though, Brendan, is in less than four weeks, it's going to hit the theaters, man. Dune 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and hopefully, I'm hoping it'll work out that you and I can go to that. That would be so awesome if we could see that together. Yeah, um, that's, that's the plan. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. All right, so let's move on from Scriptorium and Dan um, going on and on about World War II. (laughs) And uh, let's talk about this or that. All right, this or that. Call it, ref. Um, I'll, I'll start. Okay. So we'll, you know, right... Just work our way through the shows I normally do. Oh, yeah. Right? I got into Brewhammer on Tuesday, had to write a list, paint stuff up, play on Saturday. Dan, you've got a tournament on Saturday. What are you taking? <laughs> oh, for, for Sylvaneth? It doesn't matter. It'll be you, Sylvaneth. It'll you, be Sylvaneth. You've got a tournament, yeah. For sure. Okay. And yeah. then, you know. Oh, some question, details. Question 1.1, roughly what would it look like? So I would be taking a unit of Rev Seekers instead of Lancers. Okay. Um, I just like the the recursion power that they have. And they still hit pretty hard. I think they're damage two instead of damage one. So I think they can hit just as hard. They don't get that first strike. That's, I'm sure, a big thing. But yeah, and so we'll see. So I would take a unit of six of those, a unit of six swords, 
take Belfinos. I'm really torn on whether after your experience to go back to a war song and see, and I'm really kind of now, <laughs> I've got 15 spite revs <laughs> sitting on a shelf. It's like, you know, maybe they're worth trying to fit into a list. And then I have the list I usually have, I take two units of tree revs just because it gives me a lot more flexibility. Sure. I, you know, one obviously is kind of mandatory if, you know, yeah, cer- certainly for Sylvaneth list, right? Yeah. It, it helps you grab a couple of easy battle tactics really early. Yes. You know, it helps you set up for some other ones late. Like, and, they're just... And I'm just really torn now because I've discovered the beauty of taking that almost unkillable ancient. Yeah. And, and I, I really want to try him, you know, and maybe I can make, make some tweaks based on your experience at, at Brewhammer. But that, that would be my list if I was going to... Okay. And I've got everything painted, so it's all good. doesn't matter what I take. Easy uh, enough. Yep. What storyline are you most excited for in part three of The End of the Death? I was surprised when a a character that had interacted with Garo a lot showed up to mm. defend if um, Ifridi Keeler. I won't say who it is, so we won't spoil that. But I'm hoping that there's more of his storyline. I'm really looking forward to that because the way he showed up in this book was just epic. And if you know the Garo story and some interactions that Garo had with this character, you understand, like, both of them are probably the first space marines who accepted the emperor as a god, you know, and that whole sure. that whole piece. And he shows up to defend her, and you're going, and this is exactly what he had tasked Garo with doing earlier. And I would love to see that storyline and how that's going to play out. Because I know some of the other ones already, but this one was just a total surprise. I did not expect him to be in the book. <laughs> he just drops out of nowhere like, yeah. Boom. Very cool. Yep. Yep. Staying in the scriptorium section, obviously you haven't finished the Pacific or Masters of the Air yet, but which of those three is your favorite so far? Oh, Band of Brothers in this? I, yeah. I have to say, I really... I like the grittiness and, and just the raw intensity of the Pacific. Okay. Yeah, I really, really love that for how traumatizing it is. I think just to watch it, I think there are a lot of people literally who couldn't watch this. I think they would watch part of one of those episodes and they'd be like, I'm not watching any more of this. This is just too much. So, I, yeah, for that perspective, I really like it. But they're all great. What would be the coolest place to watch the Super Bowl that isn't at the Super Bowl? Mm. I think it'd be really cool to be in some kind of a stadium venue where they had the had the game on a big jumbotron kind of thing. You know, a lot of the um, baseball fields they have that huge giant screen. You know, it's eighty feet long and stuff. So I think so like if the fun. Packers were playing in it, like going up to Lambeau and then watching the game on on the jumbotron at yeah. Lambeau, or if okay. they or if they had a special thing at you know the Brewer Stadium where you mm-hmm. could go and watch the Super Bowl there. And any any baseball venue, I think, would be really cool. Okay. Those giant screens. Yeah. It, at first, I would have thought like you know Pfizer Forum, but compared to the screens there, the ones at baseball fields are just ginormous. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's easy. It's nice because of the way they're positioned, Brendan, you can see them from anywhere. So there's no bad seats really. All right. Um, and then the obvious question, Dan: <laughs> Chiefs or Niners? Niners. I am going to okay. take them, assuming that you know everything else is equal. I, I would say that you're um, saying you're saying as long as there's no officiating shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I would like to see the Niners beat them. Because, I mean, this is kind of a rematch too, right? I mean, and it would be nice to see them win this time. So yeah. that'd be cool. All right. So I think you've kind of answered this by some of the questions we talked about and stuff. But next time you take a list, would you take the War Song or an Archrev? The War Song. The, the casting firepower is just, is just too good. Okay, fair. So when you go to Brew Sky... You're going to have a choice. I'm going to give you a choice, not that you're going to make one of these. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just played a, a Sylvaneth list and really enjoyed it. Would you take a Sylvaneth or a Death list if those were your two choices to Bruce Guy? I'd say right now probably a Sylvaneth list. Okay. Soulblight Gravelords and Bone Reapers really aren't fun to play and play against. Mm. No one had any complaints about playing against Sylvaneth, so... <laughs> okay. Um, and, I, and I enjoy... I really enjoy the... You know the the machinations of of a good Sylvaneth list of hmm. setting it up and then executing on it and mm-hmm. knowing when to take the risk and and when to just take a step back and wait. Okay. If you had a choice between playing in Sigmar, whatever the combat patrol style of game is going to be, or Warcry, mm-hmm. which would you do? Probably the combat patrol style game. I've played a couple of games of Warcry. I enjoyed it, but I feel like there's a reason that, like, maybe it just didn't stick, right? You know, mm. obviously it's a game they still support, but mostly mm-hmm. for, from my perspective, the distribution of new models in a, you know, in a, in a non-traditional way. Okay. Currently, at least these are my picks mm-hmm. for top seeds. I mean, March Madness is only like a month away already. I mean, it's boom. It's coming yeah. pretty soon. It, it always kicks off right before Adepticon. So, yeah. so oh. my top four seeds right now in the four groups are Purdue, North Carolina, UConn, and Houston. Okay. Um, those are my top four picks. So if you had to choose between Purdue and North Carolina to make it to that next you know, level, who would it be? Oh, to, to advance to the yeah, next round? Yeah, if they were going to play each other at some point here... Who do you think would win to go to the next oh, next round? I have watched absolutely zero North Carolina games, so I okay. I really don't know what their style of basketball looks like. But in a vacuum, Purdue has been scoring at an unbelievable clip, <laughs> right? You, know, you, you texted me the other night, you know, when they went to that overtime game versus Northwestern, and <laughs> my ESPN. My ESPN app had glitched, and it was showing that Purdue had won by ten; that it was ninety-one eighty-one at full time. And I was like, "Oh, cool! You know, the the game's over." And like I like I just like I like I had just checked my phone, and I had like walked away from that idea. And you texted me, you know, thirty minutes later or whatever it is, like, you know, the a hundred some points in a college game, Brendan. That's crazy. You know, they're they're regularly scoring well into the seventies and eighties. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and, and for college, that's, that's a lot of points. You know, yeah. the NBA, you'd be the worst team in the league. Sure. Of course. You know, I, I'll pick Purdue and know that my heart will be broken. Of course. Like, I don't... Of course. You've mentioned that before. <laughs> okay. So my last question is, if you were going to go on a honeymoon with your, okay. your fiance, Katie, would you, these are your two choices. People are giving you a choice. You know, all, all expenses paid or something. It would be a trip to England and Ireland or a trip to the European mainland and do some countries in Europe. Mm, that's tough because I, I was like, oh, he's going to say somewhere warm and I'm going to say anywhere else but warm. <laughs> nope. Make it harder than that. 
I'd say probably mainland. I did I did Ireland with my dad back in 2016, mm-hmm. which was a very different experience when I went to Europe with my grandfather back in 2005 as mm. a you know as a seventh grader sure. to supervise him. Yes, yeah, so the so that that's a part of the country that or of the continent that I haven't seen. You know, as as an adult, you know, we mm. it's a very different trip when you're a seventh grader versus yeah, you know. Yeah, so I, I'd say probably uh, mainland. Okay, fair. All right, uh, that's it. That's my five. Okay. All right, moving on to show close. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. Quote, Sunday announcements on Wednesday. The big thing is Black Library celebration this coming weekend. For those who are readers and otherwise, it looks like there's going to be some cool orc stuff coming out. A big, big boss book and a big boss model and some other stuff, but you know, whatever. It's always fun to yeah. see what comes out for Black Library. So you might want to check that out. Do you have any Q&A this time? I did. I got the same question from a lot of people. So I'll, I'll credit it to Dustin because he asked first. Okay. Is what would I change about my Sylvaneth list? Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to, you know, re-rack and play in other tournaments. I I would actually keep the lists, you know, what what amounts to being something like 97% the same. Oh. The, the change I would make is I had Horfrost on the Warsong and Virtuous Harmony on the Branch Witch. I would flip them and I would give the Vesperal Gem to the Warsong because... People were just pick like people at every opportunity were picking off the branch witch just left and right. Like you'll notice in my recap, I didn't talk about no. them doing very much during the course of the game. No, and uh, it's because they didn't. I had I had thought going into it that maybe getting the plus two to cast on Horfrost was mm-hmm. going to be more valuable, but just just having the access to the auto cast and having access to you know Virgil's Harmony was okay. I have nothing this time. Okay. So episode 139 in a couple of few weeks will be hopefully Dawnbringers 4. Yeah. We'll have to work out some schedule stuff. Other than that, I think we're good. Again, yeah. congratulations, buddy. I'm really happy for you. That's so cool. You got some uh, kit to take home and everything. I got a picture of that, yeah. which was, was awesome. You can put it with all your other stuffs. <laughs> yeah, most most of my trophies are still in storage right now. Okay. So, well, you um, could have that one this out. Is the, this is the first one on on the shelf. Well, I guess it's the second one. I have my Midwest Meltdown one. Okay. Cool. Yeah, the 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 new trophies for the for the new house. Okay, fair. All right. That's it then. Thank you again for coming on board and kind of moving the schedule around a little bit. It's unusual for us to if it's not a Sunday for us to record in the morning. It's so, it's so used to that after all that time, and now it seems weird, right? Yep. Um, so thank you for that, listeners. Thank you, as always, for coming along. Hope you enjoyed this discussion. And as always, if you have any questions, either shoot them off to Brendan or QB Shenanigans at Gmail. You can send them to me or text me if you have my number, anything. Uh, just let <laughs> us know what you're thinking. And other than that, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans. Because life is better when you are up to something. Bye! This is the end.